What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to this week's Baldhead Bible Podcast. We're continuing our series in the book of Jonah. And this week will be our last look at Jonah. And I'm excited about getting into it. But before I do that, I just want to say that this week we had our 2,000th download. And that's meaningful to us here at Baldhead Bible Podcast and those of us who are working on it, that people out there are finding these stories meaningful and to the extent that we've had 2,000 downloads. So um, I just want to thank you for listening, and I pray again that these stories from the Word of God are meaningful for your daily life. And if you want to, I'd encourage you to make some comments on our Facebook page, or please email me at baldheadbible at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have. And again, let's try to build here a community around uh, God's Word and around studying the Bible. Let's jump right into this week's episode as we come up to the final sermon in the series on Jonah. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository preaching of Dr. John Katzian. And there he is, Jonah, on the beach, <sighs> puked out by a great fish, probably specifically created by God for Jonah. And I can imagine Jonah walking out of the shallows of the water, walking up the beach, probably all his hair missing from the gastric juices in the stomach, probably his skin bleached white. He probably looked like a frightening mess, but he's so thankful to be alive. And remember, he said that in the bottom of the ocean, in the belly of that whale, he had prayed and said, Lord, you know, I will keep my vows. Salvation is of Jehovah. Salvation is of Yahweh. I will keep my vows. And so here he is, ready to keep his vows. He's going to stop running from God. He's going to stop running from all those things. And he's instead going to say, I'm going to Nineveh. And I'm going to tell the Ninevites exactly what God wants me to tell them. And so he starts heading out. Some people believe he was probably puked up around where he set sail. He left from Joppa, and he's probably right back where he started from. Now, he lived in the town of Gareth Hepper, and so he probably headed back there. A bit of a walk to get there. Maybe took a camel ride. I don't know. He didn't have any money, but maybe he somehow got back to Gareth Hepper. Said hi to his mom and his sister and his family. But then he said, as much as I hate these Ninevites, I've got to do what God tells me to do. And so instead of heading west like he did originally, now he heads northeast. Now, Nineveh was about a month walking from Gareth Hepper. So here is Jonah. All right, I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to go to that country. And like I said, he's one of the few prophets prophesying against another people in that country. So he's going to the Ninevites. He's one of the big cities of the Assyrians. This is a scary thing, but he's going to trust in God. And so he starts walking. Now, according to those who know this sort of stuff, it would take him about a month to walk from Gareth Hepper all the way to Nineveh. 
And as he's walking, I imagine that people see him and are like, whoa, who is that? What is that strange person? And maybe Jonah tells them who he is and what he's about. And the, I can imagine the news starts to spread. And I think before he even got to Nineveh, the news is spread about this strange-looking man. And he'd heard that he'd been spat out by a fish. This strange-looking man who had survived being swallowed by a fish probably got all the way ahead of him to Nineveh. So here is Jonah walking. I can imagine he comes over the crest of the hill and he sees the great city of Nineveh stretched before him. Now Nineveh at this time, okay, the city proper, it says in Jonah, had about 120,000 people. But probably living outside the city walls, living all around it, there might have been as little as 300,000. Some people think as high as 600,000 people all in that region. And here Jonah has to come and prophesy and condemn essentially 300 to 600,000 people. I can imagine he's standing there and he looks up and he, and he sees this massive wall. The city of Nineveh had a massive wall around it that was 100 feet high and 50 feet wide. So imagine that, a wall that's 100 feet high. That's huge. It's taller than most buildings we know. And then 50 feet wide. And then it went eight miles in circumference around the city of Nineveh. Because back then, that's how they protected themselves, right? They would put up a massive wall to protect. And so those 120,000 people inside the city were safe inside these 100-foot high, 50-feet wide walls. I can imagine Nineveh is just huge and beautiful but i can also imagine it pretty frightening as well and you know as jonah begins to pick his way through this people outside the city you know living in tents and living in little groups and they start to look at him who is this bleached bald looking guy oh it's that guy from from israel it's that prophet i his name's jonah and Oh, I, I've heard he got swallowed by a fish. I've heard he got spat out by a fish. And so it says in the book of Jonah that it took Jonah three days to go through the whole city proclaiming its prophecy. So he comes up to the gate and he opens the gate and he goes inside. and He looks around at all these people. His attitudes change in the sense that, yeah, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, but I don't think he loves this people. If you look at the book of Jonah, chapter 3 and chapter 4 in particular, you still see a man who hates the Ninevites. Again, these people were bad people in his book. The Assyrians had done terrible things to other countries and had hurt his own people, the Israelites. And so Jonah had a hatred a bias, a bigotry, I think, towards the Assyrians and the Ninevites in particular. And so I think when he came into the city, I'm supposed to prophesy. So he comes into the city and he looks around. And Now think about it. If you hate these people, are you going to try really hard? Now remember, they didn't have megaphones or, or social media back then. The only way for him to prophesy was to go into that city, stand up, and preach. So I can imagine Jonah goes in 
Again, remember, he hates these people. So I don't think he's going to try very hard. And he stands up on a stool maybe somewhere, looks around at the people around him, and he says his prophecy, which is pretty simple. His prophecy was simply this. Yay, 40 days, people of Nineveh. Yay, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Looks around. Nothing happening. Maybe Jonah thinks, good. I don't even like these people. Good. So he goes a little bit further, stands up in a stool, and maybe he thinks, you know what? I'm not going to even yell this time. I'm just going to just sort of speak it. Yay. Hey, people of Nineveh. Yay. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Yeah, God, I'm doing the minimum. I'm doing what you asked me to do, you know. And so he goes throughout Nineveh, maybe, I hope, preaching at the top of his voice. Nineveh will be destroyed in 40 days. We'll be overthrown by God. Or maybe it was like, yay, Nineveh will be overthrown. Hey, you, you over there with the goat, listen. Nineveh is going to be overthrown in 40 days. Go tell some people. I don't care. You know, I don't know. I think he had a bit of an attitude maybe going through all this, but it says it took him three days. And he preached that same message that in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Preaches it throughout all the city. Then it says he goes back outside the city, goes up on a little hill and sits there to see what's going to happen to Nineveh. So I can imagine he's sitting there and he's looking at the city. All right, 40 days, 40 days, and Nineveh's going to be overthrown. And he's probably thinking in his head, hey, you know what? Uh, I didn't work too hard, you know, at preaching that message. So I think there's a good chance the city is going to be overthrown, you know? So he wakes up the next day, all right. 39 more days until the wrath of God pours down. And he goes to bed and he wakes up the next day. All right, 38 more days. Sort of like he's looking down on the city over there on a hill all by himself, just waiting for God to destroy these godless Ninevites. Because he thinks there's no way they're going to repent. Day after day, 40 days, he wakes up the next day. All right, 20 more days. 15 more days, 10 more days, and it's soon it's, you know, all of it's going to be wiped out. He's probably thinking his head's going to be so cool to see Nineveh get their comeuppance. Three more days, two more days. He's so excited. You know, it's sort of like one more days until this revengeful, wrathful version of Christmas is about to come down. Yes, you know how you get excited. Well, it's Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas Day, you know, and I think the same thing with Jonah. It is God's wrath Eve coming down tomorrow. It happens, and then he wakes up the next day. What does he see? Nothing. Nothing. Instead, the book of Jonah says that God changed his mind or, or relented because... He saw that the Ninevites do something unexpected. They repent. 
And God knew they would repent. God knows everything. Because of the preaching of Jonah, because God sent him, the people repented. And Jonah is probably unaware of this the whole time and totally upset when on day 40, God relents. Why? Because the people repent. And I can imagine Jonah's thinking, no, 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 where is this wrath? Come down and maybe he doesn't realize the people repented. Maybe over there up on the hill, he doesn't see the repentance that's going on in the city. See, I think one thing that Jonah doesn't realize is that God was preparing the Ninevite people for his message. He was preparing the hearts of the people to repent. You know, it's interesting. Historically, the people of Nineveh had experienced two outbreaks of disease in the years coming up to when Jonah showed up. So prior to Jonah showing up, the people of Nineveh in that city had experienced two outbreaks of diseases, which many people back then saw as the sign of a God punishing them. And it probably was. Maybe God, Yahweh, was punishing them with these diseases, setting them up for Jonah's arrival. It's also interesting, in 763 B.C., the people of Nineveh, would have seen a solar eclipse. Now, this would have been a couple of years before Jonah showed up. But back then, a solar eclipse, that would have been like, wow. That's a sign of some, some wonder in the heaven. That means there's some God working here. And then they would have had these diseases. And then the third thing I think that led to the repentance is they would have heard of this prophet who had just defeated a fish. And remember, Nineveh literally means you know, like the place of fish. And they worshipped this god named Dagon, who was half man and half fish. They, the very god they worshipped was a fish. And here, a prophet is standing before them, saying his god is going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days unless they repent. And this prophet defeated a fish. We saw a solar eclipse two years before. All these diseases broke out. And now this man representing another God tells us to repent. And he's defeated the very God that we worship, this fish-type God. People looked at that. They heard Jonah's message. And again, they'd experienced all this stuff. And it says, when the people heard Jonah's message, they bowed and repented of their sins. You know, I just want to encourage you. For those of you who are Christians, don't give up witnessing. Don't give up talking to family members. Don't give up talking to people about the Lord. Because you know what? You don't know how God has been working in somebody's life to get them ready to hear your message. You know, you think, hey, I'm not going to witness to that person. I know their background. There's no way they're going to listen to me. You don't know how God's been working. You don't know what God has been doing behind the scenes to prepare their heart for your message. Just like Jonah had no clue what was happening here. God was working in the hearts of the Ninevites. And it says when they heard Jonah's message, they were they repented. These cruel people who worshipped other gods, 
who required them to do horrible things, maybe even child sacrifice. They were known to be brutal in battle. They worshipped other gods. They worshipped another type of fish god, and they left it all behind. And turned, it says in Jonah, and sought the Lord. Now, the king of Nineveh at the time was a guy named the King Asher Dan III. And when he heard that the people of Nineveh were starting to repent, he himself called for a national day of repentance. It says he himself put on sackcloth. Now, sackcloth is this itchy cloth that when you put it on, it just hurts. It's made out of goat's hair and or camel hair, and it is not nice to wear. But when you put it on, it's a sign that you are mourning. And you're in constant pain and itchiness to remind you of the suffering and the mourning that you're going through. And so King Asser Dan III put on this cloth to say, hey, I'm mourning. And he said, hey, I want all of Nineveh to put on sackcloth to begin to mourn. He even asked to put sackcloth on their animals. Can you imagine? You know, they're putting itchy camel stuff on their camels. They're putting itchy goat hair on their goats and their donkeys and their cows because he wants everybody in that town to repent just like him because of this message from Jonah that this God named Yahweh is going to destroy them unless they stop following their gods. Start following Yahweh. And it says they bow down, put ashes on your head, sackcloth on your body, Asser Dan, their own leader, is repenting. The whole town left worshiping another god, turned to following Yahweh, and it says they repented of their sin. You know what's interesting? Repentance means essentially turning in the opposite direction you're going. They were headed towards worshiping this fish-type god. They were headed towards sacrifice towards that god. And when they met Jonah, and when they heard the message of Yahweh, God had prepared their hearts, and they said, Nope, let's stop heading in that direction, and let's start believing in this God. It says there in Jonah that they believed God. And that's where it starts in repentance, right? When you say, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm going to leave behind my pursuits of the flesh or my pursuits of money or my pursuits of worldly entertainment or my pursuits of just me or maybe my pursuit of another God and instead I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'm going to believe God and what he says. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that being Jesus, you shall be saved. I think it's interesting. Jonah, in the belly of the whale, he repented of his ways, and he said, you know what? I'm going to honor my vow. And here the Ninevites repented of their ways, and God relented, and he showed mercy. You know, if you're going to follow God, I want to say it starts with repentance. To follow God's call in your life, it begins with repentance. Especially if you're heading in the opposite direction, you're going to have to repent of that, which basically means to turn and head in the other direction. And I want to encourage you, just stop. Stop. Repent. 
follow Jesus. That's what the Ninevites did. And Jonah, when he saw that God had not destroyed Nineveh, you know what he did? He went off to sulk. He got mad. He got furious. It says there in Jonah chapter 4 that he got mad. He says, I know God. That, that's why I wanted to be thrown overboard. That's why I didn't even want to go to Nineveh. That's why I got on that boat to go to Tarshish because I knew you were a merciful and loving God. I knew you would show mercy. I knew you would. Again, this shows how much Jonah hated the Ninevites. He did not want God to show the mercy at all. So you know what? Sitting up there on his hill, he just begins to sulk. It says there that he waited. And I think he was hoping that, you know, God would relent again and just, oh, oh there's three people not repenting. <laughs> Destroy the whole town. But the Bible over and over and over again says that God is a merciful God, willing to forgive if you ask him, willing to show mercy if you repent and follow him. Jonah knew that, but he's still hoping. And so he sits there on his hill and he builds a shelter and he waits and he waits. And it's hot there, man. It's hot in that area, and it says, you know, what I've researched is that it can get to as hot as 120 degrees Fahrenheit in that area. So God, again, to show mercy to Jonah and to teach him a lesson, he allows a plant to grow up. It was probably a big, stocky plant they have in that area with big, with a big head and big leaves, and Jonah's like, oh, this plant grew up overnight, and oh, look, Whew, it is getting hot here. Man, this plant provides me some shade. Oh, thank you, God. This feels good. But Jonah goes to sleep. And in the middle of the night, or maybe early morning, God sent a little worm to come into that plant and eat at its root. And so when Jonah wakes up the next day and, oh, where's that shade? I'm going to wait here and enjoy seeing. I know God's going to destroy the Ninevites. I'm just going to wait here in my beautiful shade, waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed. But when he wakes up, the plan is gone, destroyed by this little worm. And so Jonah gets angry. The word there in Jonah chapter 4 is he gets hot, like 120 degrees Fahrenheit hot he is physically hot and now he is emotionally hot i can imagine stamping up and down throwing a fit no 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 this isn't right i need that plant i'm hot what am i gonna do and he throws a fit and he gets so angry he calls for god to kill him he says kill me just let me die I mean, God is merciful, and he's working with Jonah this whole time. Twice in this book, Jonah has asked God to kill him. Throw me overboard. Let me die. And now he's lost his shade, and the Ninevites are living. Just let me die. And God says, hey, Jonah, is it more sad that you are more distressed over a plant that did not grow? Are, are you more, isn't it sad that you're more distressed over a plant that gave you shade and now is gone 
Isn't it said that you're more distressed over losing shade than you are over a city of 300,000 people, maybe even as big as 600,000 people who are not destroyed? Think about it, Jonah, God says. You are more distressed over this plant than you are over the fact that if these people hadn't repented, over 300,000 to 600,000 people might have been destroyed. Does that make any sense, Jonah? Does that make any sense? Why are you showing more compassion for this plant than for all these people? And that's how the book ends. With God asking Jonah, where's your compassion? You feel more pity for this plant than you do for these people. Jonah, where's your heart? The one thing I find encouraging at the end here is the very fact that I wonder, hey, what happened to Jonah? Where did Jonah go? Did Jonah just sit there and die in his sulky pitifulness and anger? No. I think the very fact that we have the book of Jonah shows a man that changed. I think the very fact that Jonah was willing to then later write all this down to show his failures, to show his wrongs, to show the two times he's willing to ask God to kill himself, to show how much he hated the Ninevites, how much bigotry he had in his heart. The fact that Jonah is willing to write this all down for us shows a man that said, you know what, God, you're right. I think he went right back to Gareth Hepper, and he started to tell his story. And I think he preached for the rest of his life. God is a merciful God, and he is loving, and he is so kind. Pursue that God. Pursue that God the rest of your life. So I think ultimately, the book of Jonah leaves us with two big messages. And that's simply go and repent. You know, when God calls you to go to a Nineveh, go. Don't run against that. We've seen that message over and over and over again. Don't run in the opposite direction. Whatever God has called you to do, no matter how scary or how big that mountain seems to be, go. But then secondly, it all starts with repentance. If I am going to go, I've got to repent from going in the direction I have been going and start heading towards God. And for many of you, it's going to start with repenting from, hey, pursuing myself, pursuing another God, pursuing something else rather than Jesus. And I've got to repent of that. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Get saved. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus to save you, and then go. Go. Because where God is calling you to, it's going to be the greatest adventure of your life. If you just trust him, I encourage you, go. Go. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. 
If you would like to listen to more of Bald Head Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week. 